Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome back to another season of Talking with Traders with me, Garth McKenzie. This is the sixth season of the podcast, and we're into our third year since the podcast began in 2020. Once again, IG have come on board as sponsor and agreed to fund this podcast for another season. We really are privileged to have such a global leader in CFDs trading as our podcast sponsor. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing various guests from around the globe to bring you their market insights. I'll be digging in to find out what makes them tick, how they see the markets in the year ahead, and what techniques they will use to succeed in the markets. Some of the guests will be returning guests from previous seasons, and some will be new guests that I've managed to convince to join me to give up their time and share their insights. As we enter 2023, there's as much uncertainty as ever around where the markets may be headed in the next 12 months. We've just come off a horrid year for investors in 2022, where a typical 60-40 portfolio delivered its worst annual return in several decades. But what of 2023? Will the US lead the world into a global recession, or will the central banks manage to achieve a soft landing for the global economy? Will inflation come under control as base effects kick in and supply bottlenecks open up? Will US earnings hold up in the face of a weak economy, or will they disappoint? Will we see continued weakness in the US dollar? I'll be asking these and many other questions to my guests in the coming weeks. The idea behind these podcasts is for you to get a variety of views from a broad spectrum of market professionals. None of this is intended to be seen as financial advice, but it is intended to get you thinking and to weigh up what possible paths the market may follow in the year ahead. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified of upcoming episodes as they get released. Once again, thanks to IG for sponsoring this podcast for a third consecutive year. Thanks for joining me, and please enjoy Season 6 of Talking With Traders. Welcome back to another episode of Talking With Traders, and this time it gives me great pleasure to welcome a new guest to the show. I met him last week at a conference in London uh, run by the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA in London. His name is Stephen Hode. He's better known as the Stop Hunter got a wide YouTube following and general all-round good guy and very successful trader. Gave a great presentation at the STA conference last week, which is a conference on systematic trading. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Garth. Good to meet you. Yeah, Thanks well, good, good, good. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it very much. And I'm sure the listeners will as well after the end of this episode is finished recording. Um. Give us a bit of background, Stephen. I always do this with new guests. A little bit of background into where you come from, what path your career has followed up until this point. Okay. Um, goes back to the mid-90s. That's where it all started. Uh, worked for an investment bank called Merrill Lynch in their fixed income department. And then that's all in London. And then sort of hopped around a few places, uh, Japanese bank called Sanwa in yeah. equities and then a German bank, West LB, um, in call it complex derivative type products and markets. 
And then for a big chunk of my career, I worked a company called Coke. That's K-O-C-H, not to be confused with the drink. Um, <laughs> or the <America>. drug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, exactly. Um, a big commodities company in the US. And there I was like a strategy designer, um, portfolio manager, trader, working in metals, energies, um, did very well for myself there. Uh, allow me to retire in my late 30s from the world of trading yeah. and I thought I was going into retirement but <laughs> after my wife got a bit bored with me around the home and everything <laughs> and actually you know that's this me being silly um actually people would ask me to trade their money for them. I said no no I'm not going to do that for you it's just going to get messy so I'll, I'll teach you how to do it instead and that's where the the stop hunter comes from and that's where it got founded as a as a company at the time um and we did a lot of uk-based classroom teaching and on the side of that i sat the sta exams for technical analysis and i got pretty good mark and they asked me to do teaching for them as well so i teach on a diploma program there at universities Mm -hmm. so i had an educational business for a while um but as you might be aware, when you go into the educational space, people will say, well, you can only teach, you can't trade. Mm. So to sort of shut down the um, haters, <laughs> I built myself a call it systematic Renko-based trading system, ran it for a year in a live environment, got a 300% return just to prove that I still had the, the touch. Um, that did pretty well. And actually off the back of that, I did some work with the US hedge fund who liked it. They audited the whole set of results and everything like what I did. So I do a lot of consultancy work for um, banks and hedge funds and, you know, coming up with strategies, ideas, just mm-hmm. you know, all, all sorts of things trading. Then we had lockdown, which impacted obviously the classroom type business. And from there, I sort of went more e-learning style. So we put a few courses onto a platform called Udemy that took off, um, sold to about 40-odd countries around the world. Mm. And also at the time, I thought I tinkered with YouTube, and my kids said that I was too old for YouTube. <laughs> so I'm very competitive. So I said to them, I'm going to you know, get monetized on the channel within you know a year, which we did. And you know, we're running three and a half thousand subs there and it's growing nicely give away all my stuff really pretty much for free in that Mm. space because most of my um, income and returns are made by trading so i still trade for myself we have a copy trading service i run my own accounts and like i said do consultancy work and other bits and pieces got a um academically like i said got the sta qualification um got a master's degree in quantitative finance um first degree in economics um love sport and you know Mm. here i am yeah 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 well it's great to be talking to you and thank you very much for that background so one of the things that got me uh wanting to chat to you when you met me or when i met you at the at the sta conference last week was that 300 percent return that yep. I, when I heard that, I thought, ah, oh, this guy's interesting. I've got to chat to this guy and find out. And I asked you the question in the conference, but I'm going to ask it now for the benefit of the listeners. Yeah, the, a 300% return is phenomenal in anybody's language. And a lot of these type of 
investment championship type of things where you get guys that come along and make these astronomical returns, uh, several hundreds of percent. I often think to myself, yeah, okay, but you know, how realistic is this? And is this with a fully funded account or was it just a, you know, 10 grand account that you swing for the fences and, you know, 98% of the participants will strike out and 2% will make a hell of a lot of money and look like heroes. So I'm going to ask you the question again for the benefit of the audience on this podcast, that that 300% return, was it on a fully funded account and is it repeatable? Yeah, well, it was fully, fully fundable. It was a very, I mean, it was a very big, account um trading my own money and running it through like i said a sort of a, a mam fund type setup as well so i had yeah a big number i won't disclose the number but it wasn't wasn't small um and it was it was utilizing really the techniques that i just had been using for many years on the trading floor and it's a fair enough question you know you can obviously have outlier years yeah and you know i've got to say again audited results averaged probably just under 100 percent since that over the last five years ranging from a low year of 50 percent that was the top year but you know i've had you know other good high years as well in between so it has been repeatable as well yeah repeatable and and audited as well and and as i understand i mean a lot of what what you do is on youtube i've had a look at your youtube channel and seen it so it is all pretty transparent it's there for people to see and to follow you yeah exactly i I, really my whole remit is just to put out there what i've done if you like it you like it. if you don't you don't Mm. i prove it you know if you doubt me and question me you know it's all backed up from stats and data yeah you know brokers or accountants whatever you like to um okay to for it. it's, it's there because yeah, i want to be as transparent as possible to show what can be possible if you um you know put your mind to it yeah absolutely well look listeners can get onto your youtube channel and they can do your courses and what and we will give that a punt at the end of the podcast but i want to talk to you about your general style of trading um yep. you know because obviously we know that there are so many different styles you can be a day trader you can be a position trader you can be a quants trader uh, options uh yeah various different things um what is your style of trading typically that's a very good question because when I moved out of, I suppose, call it the professional space, you know, to the retail space, there's a lot more names given to a trader. Like mm-hmm. you say, swing trading, day trading, whatever, um, scalping. Yeah. In the professional world, I was probably more called just a proprietary trader. Yeah. Um, and inside that, what is my style of trading? I never really bucketed it like you know scalper or whatever i have i come up with strategies and ideas based around all sorts of things behavioral um science technical analysis fundamental analysis and you would put them into all different sorts of time frames utilizing maybe different technical analysis techniques i specialize in japanese charts for example and really i put them together in a portfolio a bundle and then i'm optimizing the results through risk management you know techniques that sort of thing even gaming theory to Mm. get the sort of ultimate portfolio return so i 
it's very hard to categorize me as one sort of style um i would say it's a blend of all sorts i do a lot of options trading as well so on u.s stocks that's yeah. another you know i've been an options trader professionally and i took yeah. that into that space as well so yeah in terms of i suppose if you want to categorize length of trade then my trades can't well the sweet spot because i keep stats on everything is between seconds to about eight days okay all right after eight days it becomes 50 50 and then i manage the trade in a certain way to you know draw it to either a smaller minimize the loss or maximize whatever i can right so i know between zero and eight days i have a bunch of strategies inside of that yeah Okay. Probably okay. Hasn't really helped you answer your question at all, but well, well, it it does and it doesn't, right? Because it just shows that there are so many different ways to trade. There's not one, you know. There there may be. What I always think is there's different ways that suit different personalities, and uh, and I guess that's the that's what it comes down to. You know, there's not one right way, and there's not always a wrong way. There's right. well, there's lots yeah. of wrong ways, I suppose, to do it, but there's also lots of right ways to do it, and it's about coming back to finding a, a, an approach that fits your personality. And fits your 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 style, yeah. And, and and that that name, the stop hunter. I'm intrigued by that uh, because does that lead? Does that talk to any part of your strategy or not? You know, I deal with a lot of retail clients, and they always have this you know belief that the market makers are out to get them, and the stops are being hunted, and yeah. You know, and if you could just be on the other side of the stop losses, you'd always make money. So, is that just a name, or is that part of a strategy that you employ? There are some sort of strategies in there, sort of around that, but that's more around going back to that behavioural slant, how the market behaves and where it thinks about putting stops and mm-hmm. you know, using tools like Fibonacci or pivots. There's some really obvious stuff yeah. in there, but the um, name, purely accidental, really. It was when starting the business, playing with my friend on the golf course, he was a you know hollywood director yeah. sort of thing and we needed a catchy name and we coming up with some absolute rubbish on the <laughs> golf course um and then we, we sort of said, well sort of threw out the stop hunter and he went yeah that sounds a bit sort of terminatory arnold schwarzenegger yeah. sort of sort yeah. of feel to it and i said well it's got a meaning as yeah. well so uh, you know in, in my world so we, we sort of just stuck with it and it had yeah. a catchy sort of feel to it and it, it stayed yeah really, but it's well it's yeah, you know, my whole thing isn't just about scalping, you know, <laughs> stops. No. <laughs> well, it certainly is a catchy name, so you got that right, yeah. Thank you. And, and and when it comes to technicals now, I mean, you you know, technical analysis can be very complex if you want it to be. Yeah. Um, there are hundreds. So when when I look at my technical analysis platform, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of different indicators, many of which I don't even know what they are. And to be quite honest, I don't ever really have much desire to find out because I I think that keeping it simple is better um i found the indicators that work for me and that's that's fine but uh, and and most of the other successful technical analysts slash traders that i've followed over the years the one thing i seem to find they all have in common is that their charts are quite clean not excessively complicated with all the indicators all over the place yep. so what is your view on this uh, and can you maybe give a basic idea of what it um yeah. Sure. of what your charting template looks like and the technical analysis tools that you use. Yeah, no, I would say um, you're right. Keep it as simple as possible. Now, I started off 
back in the mid 90s when you had to draw your own charts and stuff like that. so you learned the hard way um what goes into a chart yeah and then when i moved to the japanese bank i learned about you know the kagis and renkos and ichimokus and that and first of all i thought a complete mess you yeah. know but i dug into it actually found i quite enjoyed that style especially renko because like you said it kept it simple it cleaned out all the noise and showed me the trends the up and downs you know quite you know, quite more transparently but over time technology and software has developed a lot more so what i now do is i take some of those western techniques that we're familiar with you know stochastics mm-hmm. you know whatever and then i marry them into the japanese or more called clean type of chart you know the renko chart takes away time as well so that's what you know you and you ask about you know, how long my trades last really i don't care it's down to the price movement and if you looked at one of my charts now there's not many indicators on there say for a renko chart it might have a moving average and a stochastic indicator um maybe a bollinger battle breakout depending on the strategy there's but it is two or three four indicators yeah. on, you know at most so I, I agree with you keeping it as simple as possible in my experience has created the most effective returns yeah you put too much on it you talk you could you know psychology comes into it you talk your way in and out of trades is that the right you know that indicator's telling me buy that one sell or mm-hmm. uh, you become inconsistent and don't yeah. get the returns and also on top of you know, answering your question there i back test everything and stress test it all so I know, you know, that just this simple approach will give me X at the end of the day. So I don't need to be tinkering, adding and taking away. Yeah. It works. I trade it. Yeah. Just get on with it. So it's as simple as possible, really. It's quite yeah. clean. That's good. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I know there is there's an inverse relationship between the level of complexity of your charts and the level of success, I find. And those people who I find with charts that look like spaghetti or lines all over the place that look like a like a game of pickup sticks that my yeah. kids play <laughs> doesn't really work to make yeah. it so complicated <laughs> no, i totally agree with you you can make it too messy and it just kills you know it's nice for analysis maybe if you add more stuff on if you're not trading it but for the actual you know doing it effect i think keep it as simple as possible yeah yeah absolutely and once you've done the analysis, then obviously the next thing is the risk risk management. Um, so, what is your approach to risk management? You know, I, the, a lot of trading books talk about the old two percent trading rule. You don't risk more than two percent of your capital on an individual trade. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people on this podcast, and a lot of people seem to do it differently. The one consistent thing is obviously that, that, that they seem to keep risk very small, but you know, what is very small? Is it 2%? Is it 1%? Is it half a percent? Is it less than that? Uh, and then some traders will 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 create a pot of uh, you know, short-term trading pot, which they then, you know, will risk the farm or bet the farm on that particular pot. What, what's your approach to risk? Um, it is like you say, when I was on the professional trading desk, it we the risks we were taking compared to the money we had deployed was very small. And I've sort of taken that over to 
the you know current environment that I trade in. But I I I suppose anything between half and one percent on the trade because you've got you know if I'm using one percent per trade, then you've got hundred goes of getting it wrong, and that's statistically almost impossible to blow up your account from. But I'm not just going to stick with that one percent because I then use things like gaming theory um preference function determine economics um portfolio optimization and i scale up trades and strategies according to how successful they are so if the probability of something winning is higher i'll be a lot bigger than that one percent if it's smaller then i'll tone it down from maybe that one percent so in the end you've got like this nice p l profit and loss line that you've created on the portfolio due to different trade sizing according to you know, the probability of success um, with various like, underlying theories. So that's my my approach. If I'm just doing outright trading, if it comes to options trading, it's a different matter again. But for outright price movement, then that's how, I, you know, which is most people with the CFDs or spread bets or, you know, you know outright stock positions, say, or FX, then that's how I would, well, how I do do it. Okay. All right. So it's kind of a dynamic trading, a, a dynamic risk approach, I guess. There's not not one firm answer to it, right? Okay. And and you mentioned and previously. Working, um, and, uh, yeah. Sorry. No. Sorry to interrupt sorry. you. Go on. You go on. No. So I used to work in a risk optimization um, area as well, um, where we learned all these techniques, where we'd have you know work with the traders. You know, they might have a great idea, but they're not maximizing their profits you know, to the risk that. So I've, I employ a lot of those techniques, which you can still use quite practically in the, you know, the, the retail world. And they work, work very nicely. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. <clears throat> you mentioned uh, earlier that you keep stats on everything. And your, your, you know, so you know your average win loss to uh, win rate, loss rate. Uh, so I just want to ask you that if you if you're available to divulge that, I mean, what is your what is your win to loss rate first of all on trades historically, or I mean, if you take it over the last year, let's say. Okay, so yeah, yeah, it ranges between seventy and eighty percent the win the win loss ratio. Okay. And, and then, then that's uh, I find that number's meaningless unless you know what the risk return number is because you know you can win seven or eight out of ten and the yeah. two that you lose or three you lose blow away the the others. So you need a you know and that you know the the risk return number to fit into that that formula as well. Well, that, that's right, and that was going to be the next uh, the next part of the question is then if you're winning on seven or eight out of ten trades what's the average winning percentage uh on a trade versus the average losing percentage okay this might surprise you I, um, it's roughly probably 0.5 to one so for every 100 pounds risked making 50 pounds so you know i look for you know maybe up to one to one but i'd say on average it's 0.5 to one um and that's because I, I run that high win win rate. If I didn't have the high win rate, you know, that's you know, I'd I'd fail. But I I know that I've got that. So yeah. I'm quite happy to run those trades. It's been tested at those, yeah. those levels. Yeah, that, that it is interesting and it is a surprise. And I guess it would it would surprise a lot of listeners to hear that because a lot of the the common wisdom or the common sort of thinking is that 
you want to keep the losses smaller than the profits. So you'd ideally want it the other way around, where you're making two times more on your winners than what you're losing on your so, losers. So I think of it like, yeah, I think of it like you're the casino owner, not the um, punter. Right. Because, you know, because you'll get in a casino, you know, one in 100 people is going to win big. Mm. But it's the 99 that are going to lose um, that make the casino owner more money than that one bloke that's, you know, taking a bit. So I, I think of it more like that when I'm doing my trading and risk management. It's like the casino owner approach, which then gives you that lower number, but it's more consistent. You get higher win rate um, and the returns that I get. And it's sort of what we did on the trading floor as well it's that type of approach so. yeah it's very interesting and it's very unusual so i think it, it, it i'm finding it that in, intriguing and you mentioned holding time you know so you said it could be anything from seconds to a couple of days on average or that more typically yeah what what is the yeah, typical yeah, holding yeah. time yeah it is i would say it is that zero to eight days but on average three quarters of a day probably in okay. terms of actual time held for the trade. If you looked on the big average, so it's not, it's not very long. Okay. Okay. Now, a lot of listeners to this podcast will be part-time traders who are uh, wanting, or they have a dream about giving up their day job to become a full-time trader. Yeah. And obviously that's what you've done, right? But you, by, by your own admission, you've made a lot of money very young in life, retired in your late thirties. And yep. we're able to come at it from a, pers a perspective of being very well resourced and also having had a lot of experience under the belt. First of all, I mean, was it a challenge for you psychologically to now take on trading full time uh, and no longer have that safety net of a salary and a, maybe a bonus coming in from a big corporate organization? Or did you find that you just took to it like, like a duck to water? I sort of left, so I sort of started where I left off, really. Um, I tried not to change my mindset at all. Um, I can see why it's harder um, just being a, a, a retail trader with no experience. Um, but I took all the skills and knowledge that I learned and said, well, I've got to do it the same. And I just sort of did, and it's... I know there's a the pressure on, um, I suppose, people turning full-time. You know, you've got to pay bills and, you know, the lifestyle that they they want to get, and that adds extra pressures. But I tried not to factor that in. It's, it's a job, and I had to get X return, and I was going to do it the way I always had, and it, and it, it worked. So. Okay. All right. And I know you mentioned to me when we were chatting uh, at the conference the other day that you're a very competitive person. You played cricket at quite a high level, I think you said. Uh, does that factor into your trading personality? Yes, it does. Yeah. I hate to lose. Um, but I've, but I, I suppose one of the big tips I tell people when I'm doing this sort of thing is, I've learned to lose as well. I hate to lose, but I've learned to lose properly. Um, and it's made a huge, huge difference. Yeah, you're right. I would play cricket to a high level, but I do mad 
things as well, like run marathons, do Ironman triathlons, um, low handicap golf. Uh, yeah, if I do something, I'm going to do it properly and I'm going to try and do the best I physically, mentally can out of it. And it's the same, it's that same mindset that's worked in trading. I think it's helped that I've been on the trading floor where it, you know, you're with other like-minded, highly competitive people. Um, but always trying to seek a solution to a problem or um, have a work around or, or something, you know, gets you that edge. I'm always looking for the edge in, in the trading. And however that comes, you know, a legal edge, I will say, uh, but, you know, an, an edge. And I think that comes from that competitiveness to, you know, want to win. Yeah. So, <laughs> but not at yeah. all costs because you know if you go out you know you, i see people with you know big egos going in saying you know it's easy to trade and da, da, da. if you go in with that winning that sort of mindset without the plan and the experience you're going to blow up and lose it lose it all it's smart thinking rather than an ego type thing yeah 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 and we know that the reality is that the vast majority of people who do try and trade for a living uh, don't don't make it and the percentage of losers is very very high in this business correct so yeah yeah and what is your typical daily routine 80, 80%. Yeah, yeah 80 80 to 85 percent is is the typically the number that gets bandied about of those who don't don't succeed at trading their own capital and obviously that's also not to say that the other 15 percent are, are, are all uh flying around in helicopters and living on yachts there's <laughs> they're not this is that's just the marketing hype which is all nonsense yeah that is a very small what small it's not even a 0.01 percent of traders that are doing that you can have a very nice living trading and you never get to that yeah that point yeah. whatsoever so you yeah. like you say that's, i call them the lamborghini um marketers when you yes yeah YouTube. yeah it's yeah. not as easy as that it's a profession it is. It, it is a profession. And it's also never as glamorous as what they make it out to look like in the marketing. So, yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I, and, don't, I, don't, I don't have a, a big office by the beach. No. no. <laughs> um, and in terms of that not, not glamorous side of things, you know, tell us what your daily routine looks like. Because that's also the, gla- the, yeah, the non-glamorous um, side that people don't see. Yeah. What is your daily routine look like yeah so it's still the same really as what it was when i was working for you know other banks and institutions i'm up probably half five in the morning um and i've checked things straight away i I never trade on my phone but i'll have a look and see what positions have done overnight because i'll keep you know if i haven't closed out positions i'll keep the risk on overnight as well um a typical day you know get up there Try and go to the gym first thing to like burn out, you know, the aggression. You've got to keep healthy and and um, on it. So the physical side is just as important as the mental side. Um, that would be a swim or just, you know, weights or something like that. Um, then come in. I've got, I live in Canterbury in Kent, um, out of London now. I, I have a home set up, but I try and get away from the home as well there's too many distractions mm-hmm. so i've got an, an office in town that i will physically walk to as well to give me the exercise as well and clear my head before i get going um 
and then it's it's coming you know you've got loads of screens and what i've tried to do over time the skill i've learned is programming since leaving the city so i try to automate as much as my trading as possible or systematize it as much as possible so i'm spending as little time as possible on the screens i'm still spending quite a lot of time there but not as much as i i did because i want to do youtube videos mm. i do you know things like this i do analysis for other institutions uh, and that's so i've got to fit in other stuff around it like someone would have with a job um so you know i'm while i'm t- speaking to you i'm trading as well um but i'm not obviously you're going to see me pressing buttons or doing anything yeah so i come in i'm i'm looking i'm a, a multi-asset trader so i'll be looking at fx um good first thing london time in the morning um uk european stocks in a sort of a lull late morning so it allows me to catch up on emails and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. build myself up for the us session around 2 2 30 um trading other stuff like oil commodities us stocks right. and i will be here probably till seven o'clock at night um and if things are still getting exciting i'll probably be here until later so not back home probably till nine ish well so it's it's a still a long day yeah um it hasn't changed but you have to be in that space you know again you're talking about keeping the stats i'm analyzing everything as well back testing building systems you know throwing in around that trading stuff you know while it's while it's doing its stuff so yeah. it's a busy day yeah Still, monday to friday and I, I don't do weekends i have a rule that i don't work weekends at all it's that's my time you know go off do sport family whatever monday to friday i'll do as many hours as it takes but um you know weekends completely clear okay okay very interesting and uh yeah, how do you find balance in life then? That's a very long day that you're working half past five in the morning till sometimes nine o'clock at night. Um, you treat it as a business. You obviously treat it very seriously that you're putting in those hours. But of course, there does need to be balance. Now, you've mentioned that weekends are for for rest and family and enjoyment. Yeah. And outside of that, how do you find balance between this hectic world of trading and uh, and, and living life? a very good question so i suppose trading has been my life for ever since i left university so it's always been a part of it and one of the things that's important that i also ask people when they they say i want to be a full-time trader is do you enjoy it Mm. do you actually like trading (laughs) and because i enjoy it so much i suppose it just becomes a natural part of your life it's not a, a a drudge to get up in the morning or spend the hours doing it so i don't mind doing it once it starts when you, you know you mind doing it then you know give it up go and do something else but mm. I, like i said with my competitiveness i like to go and challenge myself to random things that will take me completely away from that picture like doing an iron man that was a, a one i did um a few years back and that got me into a different zone altogether so i'll, I'll have a hobby or hobbies on the sideline that will distract me completely from you know the trading and 
allow me to focus there. But like I say, it's a it's a tough balance. It, Monday to Fridays, it's a tough balance. Um, but you know, I've got four children, and you know, I try and give as much time as I can to them. I still got to do the day jobs when I get home, yeah. and that, yeah. and then balance that weekend for myself that I need my own sort of mental space and the time back to them. So really, it's seven days a week, full on, non-stop, because it just just has to be. I think. You know? yeah. yeah, that's life. Okay, <laughs> super, and um. We all have ups and downs in trading, you know. Uh, it's it can be a, a roller coaster of emotions. When the when the tough times come around, how do you deal with that? If you've had a string of losing trades, you maybe had a bad week or whatever. What do you do to to get on top of that and to remain emotionally strong and mentally tough? Yeah, that's a good question. And like I say, no trader wins all the time they're yeah. going to have bad months years weeks that you know you just, sometimes you just don't know the, the period and i suppose the thing that's got me through that is the statistics that i keep the data so when you when you know that you can lose 10 12 15 trades in a row and it's still going to be okay mm. that takes away some of the mental you know downside of trading i know you know through decades of trading and doing this stuff that you know i if i hit a certain drawdown number you know i know i'm still comfortable with it because i've seen it before or if it's into a new zone or you know something outside the comfort zone i'm analyzing why i'm in that zone and making the right changes around risk management um to keep me sort of in the game sort of thing so do i take some risk off do i you know do i move into different assets you know it's constantly being on top of it. Um, and really, you know, it's, you've got to, like I said to you earlier, you've got to learn to lose and lose properly. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, it makes makes it a lot easier. You're not going to win from the word go. And managing the losses and the expectations around that, for the psycho- you know, psychological side of it is massively important if you can get your head around that it makes trading a lot easier and you can you find out a lot about the person when you know you get into those zones it's tough you know it's it's like anything you know running a london marathon when i did that you know got to the 23 mile mark and it was hurting <laughs> you know but it's you know i didn't stop you've got to keep pushing through it because you can see the finish line but, you know i've yeah. never been in that that zone before but it's how you you know you cope with it. What's your strategy around it? And it's I suppose it's having a plan in that trading. Yeah. If you've got a plan, you know how to lose properly. You know you expect that it's not going to be just all plain sailing. Then mm. you know you know a level of realism in there as well. Then I think you should be fine. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. All right, Stephen, we're heading towards the end of our allotted time. So at this point, I also want to give you the opportunity to to just let the listeners know, how can they follow you and how can they follow your work? Tell us about your copy trade service, your YouTube channel, the courses. Give it all a punt as much as you like. Okay, okay. If you want to follow me on YouTube, the handle is at the stop hunter. 
and pretty much all my learning is on there for free um pretty much as, mu as much experience as i can download it gets chucked in there also if you've got ideas and suggestions put them in the comments and i'm happy to build videos and content around that and i said i did have some courses on udemy but you can probably find most of them now on the youtube channel so if you want to do the e-learning we have actually mentioned that we've got a great um playlist um called the ultimate free trading course if you find the playlist on the channel and work your way from top to bottom you pretty much get a, an intensive you know course on everything from risk management the different markets different technical analysis things the things that i've used and worked for me so so really if you want to follow me the stop uh, the stop hunter on the youtube channel is the best place to go uh, and then mention the copy trading if you haven't got the time or you want me to trade for you using the stuff we've talked about in this podcast then um there's a couple of videos on the side. There's a playlist as well called Copy Trading. It tells you all about it, the expectations, the returns, what we do, and how you actually sign up to the you know the Copy Trading. It's there's no minimum trade, um, sort of no minimum amount. I think well, I think it's about hundred dollars that I'd advise if you want to do it over a mm. thousand and upwards. You know, but only risk what you can. As they say, afford to to lose in, yeah. in if you want to go in, down that that way. But it's my trading twenty four seven. Um, it's a reasonably new service that I've offered out because of because you know the the retail market doesn't often have that sort of I call it like hedge fund exposure. You need millions of pounds of regulation to get into that space. So yeah. I'm just taking what I've done in the professional space and try to find the tools in the retail space through brokers and copy trading platform software put it into one offering it out there you know and it's all it's all all there you can email me um if you want to learn more as well info at stophunter.co.uk um but i say it's, it is all everything you'll find is on the youtube with contact um information as well so that's my that's my punt of the day garth fantastic well well done thank you very much Stephen. it's been a great pleasure speaking to you and uh i've thoroughly enjoyed it thanks for agreeing to take the time to speak to me yeah, and sure. uh sure. thank you for inviting me and having me yeah and we'll connect again soon no doubt thank you very much yeah brilliant yes thank you garth speak to you soon cheers see you later thanks for joining us for today's episode of talking with traders brought to you by ig a world-leading cfd provider we really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.